Hey everybody, this is Adriel. Welcome back to The Gong. We're gonna do things a little bit differently this time. Uh, we took a little pause after almost 26 straight weeks of episodes all about sales at startups. And one of the reasons we've taken a pause is because about two months ago, I actually went and founded my own startup, uh, which I'm very, very excited about. So I thought it'd be fun to dive into how I'm approaching sales with this new company. And uh, here I'll just voice all my, all the troubles I'm working through, the problems I'm working on, the successes we had, things we're trying, and we can go through it uh, pretty, I'll be as honest and open as possible about it. Um, and we'll get really deep on the nitty gritty of, of things I'm doing and why they worked, why they didn't work. I'm sure there's going to be uh, <laughs> more than that or than of the other thing. And uh, if you guys like it, if you have any questions about it, if you want to ask me questions or if you got any ideas, I'm all open to it. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at alubarski 2 LinkedIn in the same place. Send me an email, adriel at riveterworks.com. And uh, what we're going to do is I'm actually going to be interviewed this time by my girlfriend, Abby. Abby, say hello. Hello. Well done, Abby. This is Abby. This is Abby on podcasting. This is what it's like. Feels good to be famous, doesn't it? Yeah, all right. She said, hurry up. Let's get to it. So uh, Abby's going to ask questions. She knows pretty much all the details of everything that's happened. And this first episode is just going to be uh, catching up around the idea. So, Abby, where should we start this story? Thank you for having me, Adriel. You're having me on this podcast. Uh, yes, we're here together in our recording studio, which also happens to be our living room, office, kitchen, and COVID place of work. On a cost per square foot basis, we're really making the most out of so, this apartment. Yes, I, I know you're trying to be efficient for your investors. Uh, let's talk a little bit about you. Um, so, for those of us that aren't working two feet away from you every day, please just tell us a little bit about what you're working on. So Riveter is a severance add-on. It's something that an employer that's doing a large layoff provides to their employees. Uh, and we help their employees manage unemployment. And that's not just about how do you uh, place them in a new job as quickly as possible. There's actually a ton of questions that come up around unemployment. Questions like, how do I apply for unemployment insurance? Why is it so complicated? What are all these forms that are asking of me? Questions like, what do I do next? What do I do with my time? How do I prepare myself in the best way possible? And so our members, people who were recently unemployed, get access to all this coaching and all these discounted services so they can turn this really tough time into an opportunity. And we help companies because any company that provides this to their employees that they lay off, A, has a strong employer branding, uh, throughout, you know, people aren't going to be writing poor reviews about them on places like Glassdoor, and people might actually be grateful for the way the experience was handled um, responsibly. And then also, they get to save costs on really challenging legal issues, things that are around long-term termination uh, and all those other issues. So our customer is the business, and our user is the actual individual. So that sounds super relevant right now. Unfortunately. Most of us are aware that uh, the world, especially America, is, is heading into a recession and a lot of, of us are seeing the news of folks recently unemployed. When did you start working on this idea? So uh, the idea feels very timely, um, but versions of it have been around since about uh, last fall. Um, so last fall, I was reading a book by Kai-Fu Lee called AI Superpowers, and it was about the rise of automation and all the challenges it's going to have around jobs. But it also ended on a positive note, which is maybe this will allow humans to spend more time doing things they love to do, spending time with people, working on the arts, volunteering, um, helping those less fortunate, and that automation is not solely a bad thing taking away jobs, but perhaps it's a thing freeing up human potential. 
And there's the realization that there needs to be a company or organization that can help people uh, progress through that and, and make the most of this new opportunity. Uh, I wasn't sure what role that company might actually take. So uh, starting last fall from that, I started diving deep into automation, started learning about all the challenges of what happens when factories close down and jobs go away. And this was all kind of around the same thesis of how can large companies that are really benefiting from automation help out the people that are being affected negatively by automation. Uh, many months of that, a few iterations, you know, a small project where places like the Hilton Hotel were paying to support local buskers, you know, all around the idea of how can companies help people um, led me down a deep rabbit hole into understanding what happens when factories close, understanding how problematic layoffs are. And it took many months to even, it was by no means just a, a light bulb moment, but it took many months to even get to the realization that layoffs are a massive problem. Um, and one worth pursuing. So that's, you know, sort of uh, transitioned into starting to speak with more and more people, more customers, people who have been around layoffs and learning all that I can about the problem, a process that took maybe four to six months. So you're going to save us all when our jobs are replaced by robots. I'm going to, uh, Riveter is going to help people make the most out of the challenging times and turn them into an opportunity. So I don't know if it's about saving anyone, but we'll help people make the most out of it. Uh, so tell me a little bit about, I mean, it sounds like you went down a bit of a long and windy road to realize that layoffs was the place you want to start. Tell me about the research you did to figure out that this was the right market and kind of where to even begin when you're starting something brand new. Yeah. So one of the things that is so important in sales at startups is getting to know your customer before you even work on the product. Uh, you know, there were decades in which companies started as product-led businesses by product-led founders. You have a vision for what something can do, you know, a new technology, you know, computers can be amazing. You start building computers and then all of a sudden you're looking for somebody to use your computer. You know, that's what the seventies and the eighties were over the last uh, decade or two, probably introduced by places like Eric Reese and the lean startup and that whole movement. You actually begin not as a product-led company, but as a customer-led company. And what that means is before you even start writing code or making designs or anything like that, you start talking to customers and understanding what their problems are in a particular field. How do they spend their time uh, when they're working through the problem that you've identified? So I went deep into that and spent months not on designs or ideas, but just hearing problems. Um, first, starting with my network, reached out to anybody who has either done a layoff or has been laid off. And depending on their context, would simply ask them, you know, let's say they've been laid off. I'd say, how's that communicated to you? When was the decision made? How did you feel? What did you do next? What resources were provided to you? Um, tell me about your first week in unemployment. How did you spend your time? And not asking them if they would use a product that did whatever, but just trying to understand as much as possible what their biggest challenges were at this challenging time. And the same happened for, for companies. Um, I spoke to first a bunch of, you know, friends and family friends, and then bit by bit got introduced to one person and another who had done, who was an executive at a place like AOL or an executive at BlackRock or an executive at retailers or a small business owners had to close before and said, when you had to lay people off, what was your decision-making process like? Um, who made, who made those decisions? Who told you how much to cut? How did you decide who to cut out? How did you communicate it? What were the hardest things for you? What happened next? What was important to you? And got to really understand both sides of the problem. And only out of that 
did I get, did I begin to test assumptions and ask them, Hey, well, if we had provided a little support applying for unemployment, would you use it? Yeah, I would use it. Well, uh, how much money do you guys spend right now on trying to help employees that you lay off? Oh, tons. You know, we, we, we have entire HR departments dedicated for a month just on that problem and we're buying outplacement solutions and things like that, but here's the problems with it. And so they started, I was not testing assumptions on a whiteboard, but I was testing assumptions directly to customers. And I think that was a, that was a place that is very difficult to spend too much time. And even now, a couple months into building the product, at least twice a week, I'm having a conversation with either the user or the customer. So you said a lot there that's interesting. It sounds like you really want to just start by ensuring you're solving a real problem and in what sounds like a two-sided marketplace problem, maybe even more. Mm -hmm. There's the those that are laid off and then there's the businesses. So you understood to a degree what they're going through before building the product. Tell us a little bit about how you decided you were ready to start building the product and what does that look like? Uh, eventually you got to take the first leap and start building more and more to test assumptions. Uh, I think it's important to test the riskiest assumption at any given point and to do so as quickly as possible. You know, one of my favorite quotes being from Reed Hoffman, who says, if you're not embarrassed of your first launch, you've launched too late. Uh, so I got together with an engineering friend said, Hey, uh, here's what I've done. Let me share with you what I've done so far. I've talked to 20 people, uh, who have shared one side of the problem or another. We launched landing pages. Uh, which you actually helped me design. Uh, and they, I used Unbounce and I launched a couple of landing pages, two landing pages, one targeted at individuals who recently lost their jobs and another targeted at employers. And each one had two different offerings. You know, we'll help you apply for unemployment insurance. We'll give you a bunch of discounted resources to help take care of your wellness and education. That was for the individual. Uh, and we wanted to see if they click on it, what they're looking for, if they give email addresses and then same, similar thing for the employer, you know, will help your employer branding will help you save costs, will help you do the right thing and take care of your people. And I launched those with maybe hundred dollars, $150 worth of Google AdWords to see how people clicked to get a few people to give us their email addresses and give us a place to start. So I did those small tests. We got a bunch of clicks. A lot of people were excited by it. Um, a lot of, the realization came that like I knew enough about the problem to start building out a very ugly and very loose design of the first iteration. And so if you remember that. I, I remember learning that MVP does not stand for most valuable player. It, two meanings, two <laughs> meanings. Uh, so you had your minimum viable product, which in our case, uh, we built out in two weeks uh, from the day we wrote a first line of code to the day we put it public. Um, and it was just a page with four boxes on it. It said unemployment support, wellness resources, financial resources, and education resources. And we just threw up a bunch of, uh, I think one person actually gave us a discount off of their off their class or networking group, but all the rest were like, here's a bunch of cool education you can take. Here's a bunch of cool wellness resources. And for unemployment, here's where to click. Here's where to go if you're, if you're trying to apply for unemployment insurance. And we launched all that as scrappily as possible and willing to be as ugly as possible. And that was immensely helpful because just two weeks of building, hardly risked anything on that, uh, just two weeks of building brought us then in the next couple of weeks as we continue to improve the product, hundreds of users who click through things. We got to see where they're clicking. We got to understand how they're going through a flow. We got to email them after we launched a new feature and tell them that it launched and see the reaction to that feature. And everything we did got to show progress as quickly as possible. And 
in the very earliest stages of a startup, you want to hear no as honestly and sometimes as often as possible and as early as possible because then you'll understand why they're saying no and what they're saying no to. And our MVP, our MVP allowed us to do that in a really uh, quick and scrappy way. Well, I'd love to learn a little bit more about that, but I want to leave something to be desired if there's going to be future episodes. So perhaps we should end on a cliffhanger. Well, hey, let's end on a cliffhanger. Uh, guys, thanks for listening. That sort of catches us up to April 1st is when we launched our MVP. Uh, you can check out what it's become at riveterworks.com. That's not much of a cliffhanger, Adriel. Uh, and well, well, we'll see you next time as I catch you up on the last eight <laughs> weeks, how we had gained our first uh, little bit of revenue, our first few paying customers, a, hundred, a few hundred more users. And uh, that'll be coming up on episode two. Uh, in the meantime, tweet me at alabarsky2. Thanks for having me and you. Thanks for having us.